Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. This is May the 7th, 2022. Should the Canadian government be allowed to track people's movement via your cell phone? Thank you for joining me this morning. and gentlemen here across Ontario, Canada, all across Canada, United States, and around the world, doesn't matter what time of day it is, thank you for joining me, the trucker is back. I hope everybody had a good week, now we are into the weekend, and we have nothing but sunshine in the forecast for this Mother Day Day weekend, because tomorrow is Mother's Day. So I hope everybody out there has been safe and behaving yourselves. Now, you know, privacy, privacy, or however you want to pronounce it. What kind of privacy should you have? Well, we have privacy in our own homes. How much privacy do we have on our cell phone? Do we know when, where are we being tracked via cell phone? You know, whether you go to the grocery store, you go to the bank, you go to the big box stores, driving around in your car, you're carrying your cell phone, but there's also cameras everywhere you go. In your downtown cars, your shopping malls, whether you're taking the the train, the subway, you're taking the bus, You're on camera somewhere. Now, throughout this pandemic, Canadians, trips to the liquor stores, the pharmacies, tracked via by their phones during this pandemic without your knowledge. And the Canadian movements 
including trips, like I said, to the liquor store and the pharmacy, were closely tracked via mobile phones without their knowledge during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, this, this, this intelligent analyst blue dot the government used prepared reports using um, anonymized data for the Public Health Agency of Canada to help it understand travel patterns during the pandemic. It's not like the government turned around and said, hey, we want to track people's movements with your cell phone and analyze your movements. Now, this is including when we're in lockdown, stay-at-home orders. All the non-essential businesses were closed. Of course, pharmacies were open. Grocery stores were open. Liquor stores, beer stores. All those places were open during the lockdown. Now, this report, the Senate reveals the agent was able to view a detailed snapshot of people's behavior, including visits to the grocery store, gatherings with family and friends, time spent at home, and trips to other towns and provinces. That's pretty detailed stuff. Now, they're saying even as uh, identifying information was stripped out, you know, they have a lot of questions remain about the specifics of the data provided if Canadians' rights were violated and what advice the Liberal government was given. You know, it's like the big social media platforms and and stuff like that. They know what you like. You're scrolling on your phone. You're clicking on different things. You're clicking on different articles. You get these pop-ups all the time. You're being tracked by the big social media platforms out there. Your behavior on your cell phones. Now, I guess they had this committee uh, committee put together and they've been talking about it, what should have and should not have been done, I guess, you know. So this report released the report on its overall probe into the agency's collections of phone data during the pandemic. And it concluded that the government should tell Canadians if it collects data about their movements and allow them to opt out. Maybe turn your GPS off of your phone. Because, you know, it's so important, you know, um, to be able to, you know, safeguard your privacy 
and the privacy, you know, is really serious in the analysts of Canadian movements it received is not about following individuals trips to a specific location, but rather in understanding whether the number of visits to specific locations have increased or decreased over time. What does it matter? And they have one, they have an example here, you know, the point of interest data from blue dot identifies the number of visits to the grocery stores, to the parks, liquor stores, and hospitals. All we receive is the location of the point of interest at the number of visits for a specific day. Apparently, say it doesn't give out the personal information of that cell phone user. It's just tracking movement. via GPS on your cell phone. So the report provides information on how many people were moving between Pacific towns, such as the border communities of Aberforth, BC, as well as provinces and territories. They said it showed movements across the Canada-US border comparing travel to previous weeks and years going all the way back to 2019. Said the phone locations allowed the agency to get a picture of gatherings occurring in people's houses, such as over the Labor Day weekend. And the report included a graph recorded hours spent away from home in each province between Christmas Day 2020 to the week of September 19, 2021. Now, how do you feel about that? How easily it is to track somebody's movements or that cell phone carrying you walking around whether it's in your pocket, in your hand, sitting in your car. That you're being tracked. Pinging off cell phone towers wherever you go. Now, they're talking about here, none of the information ever includes demographic information or specific uh, identifiers or anything like a name, telephone number, email address. It, it provides uh, the analysts that we provide our indicators, statistical summaries of anonymous device information, such as the total number of devices traveling between two cities. Because your cell phone is pinging off cell phone towers. Now, a Canadian press, an example of the way the data is presented to them, showing addresses of a beer and liquor stores, the number of visits and the data visits occurred. 
It included no names or identity of personal information. I guess they wanted to see what kind of movement we had during the pandemic. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. So what I was talking about here, so the Canadian government, during this pandemic, had an agency called Blue Dot track Canadian movements via their cell phones over this period of this pandemic. Meaning going to the grocery store, going to the pharmacy, going to family and friends, moving about the province, going to different cities. All during the lockdowns that we went through and probably more so then than when we had restrictions lifted because I guess it wouldn't matter then when the restrictions are lifted. They wanted to know what we were doing during the lockdowns, the stay-at-home orders. You know, when only essential businesses were allowed to be open during this pandemic. So what kind of privacy should you have? I mean, how private is your cell phone. If you move around, whether it's from town to town, to city to city, or different areas of the city, stuff like that, your phone is pinging off of cell phone towers. So the data collected, they'll understand what kind of movements we had because, you know, even during lockdowns, I mean, people, I mean, we're human beings. I mean, we're going to move around. We're going to go visit people anyways, because this is, this is what people do because we need that human connection, no matter what. And of course, you know, when the, uh, the, you know, the pharmacies are open during the lockdown, the grocery stores are open during the lockdown. You know, because these are are essential things that we have to have. How many trips to the beer store? How many trips to the liquor store? So, you know, they would show um, specifically... um, The location, for an example, um, of that of that beer store or liquor store. They said something like, you know, thirty million Canadians were being tracked. We have like thirty-eight million in our population here in Canada. I mean. It goes to show you how many cell phones are out there. I mean, pretty much everybody's got a cell phone. I mean, we can't leave home without it. You know, it's not like back in 
back in the day when you had a home phone, there was no such things as a cell phone. So where do we draw the line on our privacy? You know, even tracking your, your, your cell phone while you're in your house. GPS. How much privacy do you have while you're on your laptop or your computer? Social media platforms. They, they know your behavior. Well, you're on social media platforms. I mean, you're, you're, you're looking up stuff. You're looking at things. And you get pop-ups from Facebook or, or uh, Twitter or whatever, because these are the trends that they're looking at. And anything related to what you're looking at, they send you these these, these advertisements or, or whatever the case may be. So they know your behavior and how easy, easily it is to track somebody. But this information they're talking about, it doesn't, Give away um, your name, your email address, any personal information. They're just tracking movement during this pandemic. You know, now, of course, here um, across all of Ontario, Canada, and all of the provinces across Canada. I mean, we don't have any real restrictions. You know, um, you know, for like when it comes to mask wearing, well, you have that choice now. You either want to wear one or you don't. Federal restrictions. Yeah, we still have a few of those when it comes to um, traveling by airplane, traveling by train, um, traveling um, uh, by ferry to go to the mainland, um, public transit. You know, whether you're taking the bus or you're riding the subway, mass mandates are still in place. Hospitals, nursing homes, retirement homes. Um, medical, other medical buildings um, requiring you to still wear a mask. But other than that, all other restrictions are lifted.
So, you know, you know, why, I mean, for, for them to um, turn around and collect all this information, I mean, why does it matter how many times you went to the liquor store or you went to the beer store? How many times you went to the grocery store? Those places were open during the lockdown. Well, even the big box stores, even the first initial lockdowns, the big box stores were still allowed to to open up because like Walmart, they sold groceries. Costco, they sold groceries. So people would still go to Costco and Walmart. Any other non-essential items, you know, um, well, I, I wouldn't say that because during the onset of the lockdowns, even Walmart and Costco they were still allowed to sell non-essential items along with groceries when all other non-essential businesses were closed. But as we got further into this pandemic, that changed. So why did it matter? Why did it matter how many times I went to that? How many times I went to the beer store or the liquor store? Those places were open. So what kind of privacy do we really have in this world we live in? We have cameras, just about a lot, a lot of the places that you go to. Whether you go to the bank, whether you go to the grocery store, whether you, you go to the mall, walking downtown, there's cameras everywhere. What kind of real privacy do you have in your own home? Smart TVs. They got built-in cameras. You turn your camera off on your laptop, your computer. Your behavior on, on, you know, the internet, social media, whatever the case may be, like I said, is all being tracked. Should Canadians be upset that the government went ahead without telling us and are giving, are giving us the option to opt out. I had no idea.
I think that it wasn't necessary, but you know, I guess throughout this pandemic, for some reason or another, the government felt that during the lockdown periods that we went through, how much movement is out there during these lockdowns. Collecting data for maybe COVID cases, I don't know. I have no idea. It was, you know, with COVID cases, it was hospitalizations, wastewater. Of course, by testing. I think my personal opinion on this is like it was, you know, I think it was wrong. I think it was just a waste of time. People are going to move about regardless. It's what we do. It's our, it's, you know, it's our behavior. I guess at the end of the day, you know, the, you know, the committee will come out with guidelines, you know, for the government to, to follow and, and give the individuals, you know, give Canadians that, that option, you know, to opt out and that, you know, that we are, you know, that the government informs us that, hey, you know, we're going to, you know, um, do this, this, this uh, tracking data um, for whatever reasons. And you have the option to opt out. I wonder how many people would opt out. Out of the population of Canada, I wonder how many people would opt out. You know, I guess we have a certain degree of privacy um, in our lives. And, you know, that's our right to have that privacy. Richard is still trying to call in. You are on here. I guess not, Richard. Yeah, another article I came across today, which um, kind of, kind of, you know, came to. Um, uh, a uh, surprise to me. Um, 
You know, when, when it comes to, you know, whether you, you're a cyclist, um, a pedestrian, you know, last year and this year, I mean, it, it, every time, you know, I'd be, you know, scrolling through news articles and everything, you know, it would be, you know, a pedestrian um, hit and killed, um, hit and runs. They seem to be on the uptick. But, you know, this particular one here, uh, when it comes to motorcycles. Now, it's springtime, it's nice weather out there. People who drive their motorcycles more and more are, are uh, coming out of hibernation, getting their motorcycles on the road. Who is more at fault in a deadly collision involving motorcycles, riders, or, or the drivers? So the warm weather is here. And all the motorcycles are coming out of hibernation. Now, over this course of period of time here, the Ontario Provincial Police, I guess they collected information from the past decade that points to motorcycles being more at fault in collisions that claim the rider's life than any other motorist involved. And the report states that between 2012 and 2021, the investigation, 326 motorcycle crashes were 342 motorcycle, motorcyclists died. And out of those fatal collisions, says the motorcycle was at fault nearly 61% of the time. 39% at fault being the drivers or other vehicles. And 120 of those collisions involved a single motorcycle with at least one other vehicle implicated in the other 222 deaths. Now you're a driver, you drive your car, I drive my car. See a lot of bad drivers out there. You know, car, for car drivers in, 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 uh, in, in, uh, instances, you know, um, doing rolling stops at stop signs, doing rolling stops at red lights, turning right, running the light, failing to, you know, yield the right of way, turning left into the far right lane, 
or turning right into the far left lane. See a lot of stuff when people drive. But th these stats done by the Ontario Provincial Police, I mean, I thought, you know, when you hear of a, of a, a, uh, a vehicle crash involving a motorcycle in a car, we assume that it's the car's fault. Not paying attention, not being aware that the motorcycles are there. Yes, they are smaller vehicles. It's like a cyclist. See a lot of bad cyclists out there too. They just ride through the stop sign. If there's no bike lane, they just ride up the, the curb lane and pass everybody on there. They don't stop for lights, stop signs. They just, you know, it's like some car drivers out there. They, they, they do the same thing. So there's no wonder, you know, when these people get hit, You know, you know, even the safest, most defensive riders must rely on nearby motorists exercising the same degree of safety in order to avoid causing a deadly crash. And the key factors in fatal motorcycle crashes are excessive speed, failing to yield the right of way, and other drivers' inattention. And the Ontario Provincial Police says riders between the age of 45 and 54 years of age accounted for the highest number of deaths on the Ontario Provincial Patrol roads over the last 10 years. In 2021, the officers responded to 34 motorcycle collisions that claimed the lives of 35 motorcyclists. Now, just like car drivers and motorcycle drivers, I see a lot of idiots on the road, and I'm sure you do as well. They are driving in excessive speed. Just like other motorists driving excessive speed and lane hopping, same with motorcycles. Now, these, these motorcycles, I mean, during the winter months, you know, they drive their, their car. Rainy days, generally, they're going to drive their car to work and not their motorcycle or drive around. So what kind of drivers are they behind the wheel of a car? 
but they take that same behavior when they get on a motorcycle. And when I hear about collisions between motorcyclists and cars, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'll never drive a motorcycle. There's too many crazy drivers out there. But 61% of the time, Sixty-one percent of the time, the motorcycles were at fault. That's pretty alarming. Yeah, that's yeah. I was looking at this article earlier this morning and I'm thinking to myself, wow, that's just, that's just crazy. 61% of the time, the motorcycle is at fault. Now, I don't know what it takes to, um, get a, a, a motorcycle license, you know, here, here in Ontario, when it comes to getting your driver's license for a car, we have the graduate, the graduation licensing. That means you start with a G1 for a period of time. Then you move to a G2. And then you move to a G license. I don't know if that's the same for a motorcycle. I don't know if it's a, if it's an, um, an M1, then an M2, and then just an M potentially could be. I mean, why would it be different, you know, for someone to drive a motorcycle than someone to get their license, you know, at the age of 16 and go through that graduation um, licensing program that we have here in Ontario. They actually even talked about, it was, it was before the pandemic, probably maybe four years ago, they were, they were talking about um, stopping that graduating licensing, licensing because it didn't, it, it didn't change anything, meaning that we still even, you know, have the same or even more, you know, accidents, you know, involving young people. It's not always the young person's fault, neither, because, you know, you, you people out there, you know, people in their forties and fifties and stuff like that. I've seen those people driving their cars like a bunch of idiots. And you think if you've been driving for 40, 40 years or 50 years, you think you'd know better. 
but it's not always, you know, like I say, it's not always that young, that young person's fault. So the stats show that, you know, they're, you know, in behavior, it hasn't changed anything. So why this graduation licensing for, for to get your license? I have no idea. And will they talk about it again? I don't know. You know, even with the uh, speeding laws and stunt driving laws we have here um, in Ontario, you know, um, people who are in in excess of speed um, over the over the posted speed limits. Now we'll have to take it in an accredited course. If you're caught stunt driving or in excess of speed over the posted speed limits, which by the way, if you do those sort of things on our roadways, you lose your car for 14 days. Your license is suspended for 30 days and you still have to go to court. And you can be facing fines from anywhere from $2,000 to $10,000 or imprisonment. So... I mean, you know, when, you know, when, when we're driving our vehicles, you know, we have to be always aware of our surroundings. You have to have that 110% attention. You're not supposed to have your cell phone in your hand, sitting at a red light, sitting in traffic. texting while you're driving. You really shouldn't even be eating while you're driving. Stop at your favorite hamburger place, McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger King. You're slopping all over yourself while you're driving and you're taking your eyes off the road because you got to wipe all the sauce off your shirt. Those few seconds that you take your eyes off the road is the same thing as those few seconds that you take your eyes off the road texting while you're driving. Could result in a serious crash. And this age group that they talk about here, you know, between the ages of 45 and 50 years old, accounted for the highest number of deaths on our roads over the last 10 years. The motorcycle drivers of the ages of 45 and 54.
And you think by that time, I mean, if you, you know, you got your, you, you got your driver's license at the age of 16, maybe you, you, you know, you decided that down the road, 18, 20 years old, you got your motorcycle license, you know, and then another 34 years later, you're in that statistics of 45 and 50 years old accounted for the higher number of deaths on the, on, on, on the Ontario Provincial Police patrolled roads. That's unbelievable. Well, I guess, you know, whether you're driving your car or driving a motorcycle. Your behavior on our roadways is what matters here. You know, I've been driving uh, transport for roughly 33 years. City highway, long haul trucking. You know, I've been I've been licensed for uh, forty years. I guess I could just knock on wood. Yes, I have been involved in accidents. Not my fault. And all the years I've been driving, probably been involved in a handful. Driving a transport truck, I've had cars rear end. Run into the trailer. Driving my personal car. Sideswipe. Rear-ended. Those types of, of, of accidents. You know, I have no moving violations. Guess I just consider myself lucky. Because I see every kind of driver out there, whether it's truck driver, people driving their own personal vehicles. Motorcycles. Mind you, there's a lot of good drivers out there. Because it's up to you and me 
ladies and gentlemen, to keep our area roads and highways safe. We all have a responsibility. Safety is everyone's business. We have an obligation when we get behind the wheel of a car, a truck, a motorcycle. We have a responsibility. Because driving is not a right, it's a privilege. That's why they can suspend your driver's license or they can take your driver's license because it's not a right to drive. You know, this is really, you know, the first time that, you know, I've seen, you know, uh, like reports, um, of at fault accidents um, when it comes to motorists. But they don't come out with anything, you know, like this, you know, involving tractor trailers and cars. Who's at fault most of the time? Whether it's minor or whether it's deadly. You know, it'd be really interesting to see those numbers, you know, over the last decade with with accidents involving transport trucks and cars. Who would be more likely at fault? Could it be about the same percentage? Or maybe that not much difference? Because I do see a lot of bad truck drivers out there, you know, I'm not defending them because I'm a trucker, you know, there's a, there's a lot out there, you know, that that I question of, you know, how did you get your trucking license in the first place? It's like, how did you get your driver's license in the first place? You had to do everything right. I mean, you just throw everything out the window window when you get your driver's license and now the rules of the road don't apply to you. I don't know. Be interesting to uh, You know, this, this uh, report came out, um, uh, yesterday, May the 6th, 2022. Yeah, so, you know, and then, 
you know, beside this article here, they got related stories to this. You know, this is even talking, this is like crazy, you know, a motorcycle, a, a motorcyclist, uh, did a motorcycle crash on highway 12 motorcycle killed in crash with big rig. An Orangeville man 30 in critical condition after motorcycle versus transport truck collision. That's, that's, that's not good. Then we have a motorcycle is not wearing a helmet, critically injured in a crash. It's law that you have to have a helmet. Motorcyclist, 18 year old killed in collision in Angus, Ontario. Motorcyclist killed in collision in uh, Caledon, Ontario. These are all just recent things. And it's just springtime. Whether we drive a car, we drive a motorcycle, we drive a transport truck or whatever, you know, I see, you know what I see? I see, you know, people on those scooters, on those electric scooters. You know, not following the rules. Same thing, you know, when, when it comes to cyclists, you know, failing to stop for a stop sign, failing to stop for a red light, or even turning the corner, they just turn the corner. not using the bike lanes when they're they're readily available for cyclists riding on the sidewalk when there's a bike lane readily available for you to use and even on these electric scooters I'm surprised that there's not more accidents, you know, involving other motorists in these electric scooters. Because all, you know, the, the rules, you know, the rules of the road apply to, 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 um, to everybody. You know, as a, you know, you're, you're walking down the street, you know, you walk across the street on a red light, jaywalking, or whatever the case may be. We see this all the time. 
I'm guilty of these things, ladies and gentlemen, back in, you know, in, in my younger years and stuff like that. I mean, I, you know, I, if I, if I don't live very far from the downtown area, I could, I could walk to the downtown area and I'm more cautious now walking and coming up to an intersection and, you know, I'm not going to cross against that red light, you know, to whereas I would, you know, just look both ways really quick, you know, cause I want to get to the bar in a hurry and just run across the street. And then, then people, you know, you see, you'll be standing on the corner and they got their earphones in, they got their cell phone in their hand, not paying attention. They step off the curb because they just thought for maybe for some reason that, you know, the light had changed. And then they get smoked. matter it doesn't matter what we're doing whether we're walking we're driving we got to pay attention and if you hit somebody whether you hit a cyclist a pedestrian another car stay at the scene of the accident there's just been a rash of hit and runs that is just going to get you into more trouble. And you may not, you know, in some instances, you may not even be at fault. But you got scared, you panicked, and you took off. You never, ever... Leave a scene of an accident. We just take care and be safe. Do what we're supposed to be doing out there. Following, following the rules of the road, following the rules at the intersections. Stop signs, doesn't matter. I've seen too many times where the pedestrian crossing with the light on a green light and cars just turning right in front of them. And in case you have forgotten, as long as that pedestrian is crossing with the green light, that pedestrian has the right of way. Not you making a right or left hand turn.
They're halfway across the street, three quarters way across the street. You cannot turn. I've seen it so many times out there. A lot of near misses. Then the car driver blowing their horn because the pedestrian is crossing the street because the pedestrian's in your way. The pedestrian's in the is in the right. We need to take better care out there. We need to be more careful. We need to pay attention. But thank you for joining me this morning, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Truckers Podcast. It's going to be a sunny, mild day here across southern Ontario, Canada. It is 11.32 a.m. I'm going to get out there and enjoy the sunshine that we have this entire weekend because you know what this spring has been horrible and now it's changing for the better and it's getting a lot nicer and i'm going to be out more often and especially like days like today and tomorrow for mother's day So take care, enjoy your weekend, and be safe out there, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Doug, from Ontario, Canada. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for all the likes. Thank you for taking the time out. Come on, the Truckers Podcast.